Hey everybody, welcome to Trading Perspectives. This is your host, John Norris at Oakworth Capital Bank, and along with me I've got my co-host, Sam Clement. Sam, say hello. How's it going? All right, and today what we're going to do is Sam has gone around and asked clients, associates, friends of his, family members. He's going to ask, he asked them a, a question or two, just what is the most pressing thing in your mind? Just kind of get maybe just sort of a general vibe of how people feel about the world. It's very easy for us to sit around and talk about the markets, talk about things that perhaps we are interested in. But what we want to do is make sure that we talk about those things that you were interested in. So, Sam, what did you find out? What are people telling you? So, a question I got a lot is, why is there such a negative sentiment around everything that's kind of going on right now? People tend to think the world's becoming a worse place when factually it's becoming a much better place. Well, you're absolutely right about that. And, you know, I hear that a lot. You know, I make a lot of economic presentations. I get a lot of questions during the uh, after my after my talk, after my prepared comments. And people are asking the same thing. It seems like things are getting worse. And the truth is they're really not, as you point right, out. Right, yeah. Uh, things are actually getting a lot better. Uh, life here in the United States right now at this point in time is about as good as you can get. Now, I'm not going to say that it might not be better in some posh zip code you know, up in Connecticut or something like that. But when you take a look at the access to goods and services that we have, the access to education, the access to, to, to nutrition, access to health care, the access to everything that we need in order to sustain life, uh, human beings have never had it as good as they as they have it right now in 2018, and the United States is the largest economy in the world, the most dynamic and, and freest place to live. So, when people get all upset about you know why why things seem so bad, I kind of like like to tell them that. I mean, after I got the question, I, I looked up some statistics. Six percent of Americans think the world is getting becoming a better place now. Just six? Where'd you six find percent. that? Where'd you find that? Forbes, The Economist, 5% of Britons, 6% of Americans. Well, you know, perhaps it's all of our instantaneous access to information, all the 24-7 news channels. Um, you know, they've got to sell They've got to sell ad space. And it's far easier, pardon, pardon the analogy, it's far easier to sell umbrellas when it's raining, if you catch my drift. People will consume bad news with great aplomb. But if you're sitting around you know, talking about flowers and sunshine and rainbows, people people won't pick, pick up the newspaper for that. So these, these news outlets have to focus on the bad stuff in order to get eyeballs, in order to get people to just pick up a copy of the newsstand. Yeah, I think it all relates back to human nature and the loss aversion that humans have. You know, mm. humans find it much worse to lose $10 and they find it good to gain $10. Uh, loss, losses affect humans way more than gains and benefits do. Yeah, so I think when we have these negative negative facts and all the, all the news that's coming out, the negative side of it impacts people a lot more than the positive side. Well, you're absolutely right about that. And the thing is, for whatever reason, politicians, I don't care what side of the aisle you are on, politicians like to make economics out to be a zero-sum game. Uh, perhaps some politicians do a better job of that than others, but the truth is economics is not a zero-sum game. When I get questioned like this, when people try to back me in a corner and say why the world is becoming a worse place, why the United States needs to be worried about China, why we need to be worried about all these things in a global economy, I always counter with, with a few questions. What was the world's primary superpower in 1900? You know, the, the sun never set on which empire? Sam, answer that question. U.S. No, it's a British it's Empire. Always it's, the US. it's always the U.S. No, arguably in 1900, the United Kingdom, Great Britain, was arguably the world's foremost superpower. It controlled the seas. 
It was the first country to uh, develop an uh, industrial revolution. Uh, it was the dominant, uh, in a lot of ways, you know, um, superpower in, in Europe, particularly due to its navy. I mean, take a look at its empire. It stretched all the way around the world. It controlled India, uh, much of, uh, of, of Africa, and obviously uh, the British Isles themselves. So in 1900, Britain was a dominant superpower. You know, the United States had called up and had a larger GDP, but it was still not to the overall level of prestige that the Brits were. The pound sterling was the primary uh, reserve currency or the primary currency in the world. And so Britain was standing at the top. And so I asked people this, and they go, okay, well, yeah, so, so what? You know, I sit there and say, well, guess what? In 2000, who is the world's unquestioned superpower in 2000? U.S. of A, baby. That's right. Your question's always going to be USA, USA. <laughs> got, to get, got to get you to an ice hockey game or something like that. USA, <laughs> USA. But you're absolutely right. In 2000, the United States was the sole superpower, easily the world's largest economy, the largest economy that mankind has ever seen, uh, the most dynamic, uh, freest, all, all, all the accolades, all the things that we know to be true as Americans. Now, let me ask you this. So over the, in 1900, I would argue Britain was the world's primary superpower, and in 2000, the United States was the world's primary superpower. And with that in mind, I'm going to ask you some more questions. Sam, was the literacy rate in the United Kingdom higher in 2000 or in 1900? I'd say it's higher now. Well, of course. Did the average Britain have access to more goods and services in 2000 or in 1900? No. That's right. Access to better quality nutrition and, and importantly, protein in 2000 or in 1900? 2000. Well, of course. I think you get the point. You know, did the average Briton have more money in 2000 or 1900? 2000. Better health care in 2000 or 1900? 2000. Well, of course. You're, you're, seeing, you're seeing where I'm going with this. The, but in relative terms, the 20th century was a horrible century for the British. I mean, it went from being... Arguably, the world's primary superpower. Some people make the argument for maybe the German Empire in the United States, but you know there was no question. By the end of the end of the century, it wasn't it wasn't in the top three. Maybe even wasn't in the top five. Yeah. But, but at the same time, the average Briton had more goods and services to consume, had a higher literacy rate, had more food to eat, and then also had greater access to health care. Uh, by by just about every definition, the average Briton lived a much better life in 2000 than in 1900. And yet there are still some people that would say, oh, Britain's fallen behind. How? How have they fallen behind when the average Briton is doing much better? It's the same thing with the United States. When we came out of World War II, we were unquestionably, unquestionably the world's dominant superpower. Some people would say Russia, we're the Soviet Union. But if you take a look at where our economy was in the, in the, in the 1950s and and where the rest of the world was, we didn't get bombed. There, there, there weren't any battles in the United States. We didn't have to rebuild. We, we, we were easily the world's dominant superpower in terms of we economic might, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, and but all of a sudden, where are we now? Well, we're getting challenged from the EU. We're getting challenged from China. Importantly, you know, a couple of decades ago, we're getting challenged from Japan. And people assume that the United States has fallen behind, but has it, Sam? Do we, have, do we have access to greater goods and uh, goods and services now or in 1950? But it seems like this problem has been around forever. I mean, even back in Athenian times, they used to talk about a golden age compared sure. to the, the, the age that they were in at the time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, would the average Greek, as bad as they have it over there relative to us in the United States, would they want to go back to the lifestyle that they had during the golden age of Athens and Pericles? Not at all. Of course. No, no one was. The thing is, the good old days weren't all so good, and to quote Billy Joel— 
and, the, and, and tomorrow's not as bad as it seems. We always look back in the past with rose-colored glasses, even if we, they don't deserve it. Right now, here in the United States, the technology is awesome. The access to goods and services are awesome. We have too much access to food, just way too much access to food. Can get by on that. <laughs> and, and no matter who I talk to, and people, you know, people say, oh, we got to make America great again. Oh, we got to do this, that, and the other thing. America has always been great. And when, when, when people say, well, when I ask people, when was America truly the greatest? They go, in the 50s and 60s. And I ask them, do you want to go back? And no one ever has said yes to me on that. So when people say, why is America slipping and why, why, the, why the day is so dark? I want compared to what? Compared back to this age when you don't want to go back? What do you think about when people bring up statistics like the Gini Index and income inequality? Well, there is a lot of truth to that. And the, the, the Gini Index is uh, you know, measure for those of, those of you listening at home are familiar with it as a measure of um, calculating income inequality throughout an economy. And ours has been increasing over the last several decades. Um, it's obviously not good. Uh, but then again, we have to focus on, on whether or not economics is a zero-sum game or is it a growing pie. And that's more important. We can have income inequality in an economy that's growing rapidly, and and everyone's better off. Yeah. So it's not necessarily shrifting, shrinking income inequality that we need to be worried about. What we need to be worried about is increasing income across the board. Now, right. that with that being said, what we want to make sure happens is everyone has access to good education and good training. And that is the best way of reducing income inequality is making sure that your citizens have all marketable skills. And this is where I would say the United States needs to pick up its game a little bit. Uh, and I've made, I've made no secret of the fact that we need to do a better job training our kids and training our, our workers for the economy that is as opposed to the economy that was. Yeah, I think talking about the pie being a growing one is a big thing, especially with something like the Gini Index. Because you look at the countries that are the most equal as in terms of income those none of those are countries that i would want to live in <laughs> i mean it sounds like from what you said earlier it sounds like you wouldn't want to live anywhere else because usa usa yeah, i think always uh, without a doubt now and forever i would be more what i'm more concerned with is hdi as opposed to as opposed to income inequality and that's human development index and the united states still scores very highly on that I, I really take issue with the fact that sometimes people want to compare us to Europe, compare us to this, compare us to that. Those aren't our comparisons. The United States should compare itself not necessarily to what other people are doing, but what it could do itself. And that's where I think maybe we've fallen behind a little bit. If anyone wants to argue uh, that the United States has fallen behind, it's not that we've fallen behind against the rest of the world. We've fallen behind on the promise that the United States is. And we do need to do a better job of making sure that other people have the, have, have at least a greater opportunity to live the American dream. What areas specifically do you think we're falling behind the most in? Uh, in public education. I yeah. Think, I think we are not doing a very good job. Uh, math and sciences math specifically. And science. I mean, the, the PISA scores will, will tell you what you need to know. We are falling behind the OECD average uh, in terms of international test scores. Well behind it. Well behind it, and that's where we need to pick it up. Now, now, don't get me wrong. There are countries out there that uh, where, where some of the students score extremely well in these inter international tests, but there's not an entrepreneurial bone in any of their bodies, and their economy doesn't really benefit from it. The way the United States still is by far and away the, the, the world's leader in terms of major significant economies is an entrepreneurship. So, but even so, would love to see a lot of those test scores up because they are indicative of the overall quality of education from stem to stern. Yeah. 
So that is where I think we are falling behind the most in making sure that our students are prepared again for the economy that is, not the economy that was. And I've made no secret of it. We are in a very highly competitive global economy. It's the 21st century. It's knowledge-based. And, you know, we don't have to be as cheap as the rest of the, as the, rest of the world. We just simply don't. We just need to be more productive than the rest of the world is cheap. And so what I would like to see is greater emphasis on training, greater emphasis on technology. And let's face it, not everyone has to go to college. You know, it's okay. Yeah, we, need I think tra- we need training and we need more craftsmen. We need more people that, that have a skill. Trade schools are extremely underutilized right now. Without a doubt. So that's where we're falling behind, if we are falling behind. When you see people in these different trades go in and make more money than people that come out of college with a degree that's worthless. Well, that's we have told everyone for years that the that the key to economic success is actually have, is having a college degree, and that's always been kind of the case. However, you took econ one hundred and one. What happens when the supply of something goes up fast, faster than the demand for it? Price. Yeah. But what what happens to the price when the supply goes up faster than demand? Goes down. That's right. So what happens if we increase the supply? Of college graduates faster than the than the economy's demand for not going to be getting paid that's right so the college degree doesn't go up as much matter of fact the value of a college degree goes down so we are dumping all this money into people getting college degrees that are only going to become i mean more worthless as we graduate more people well not even about supply and demand well i guess it is but some of these degrees that there's virtually no demand for I mean, you see people, I'm not going to dive down into the specifics about no, some of them. But come on, you know my daughter's a musical theater major. Come on. I, I think we're on the same page that some degrees <laughs> there's not a high level of demand for them. There's not a high level of demand for them. But I will tell you this, Sam, and part of the reason why I enjoyed having you come on to our staff is it wasn't necessarily that you knew what a basis point was. It wasn't necessarily that you knew how to calculate duration or any of those good things that you learned in college. I can teach a lot of those things. I, I can teach a young person those things. What I can't teach is drive, and what I can't teach is fortitude, and what I can't teach is work ethic. So what I want to see more out of kids coming out of college isn't necessarily the majors, whether or not the majors are worthwhile. I want to see what they did with their time when they're in college. You know, and I've told I've told young people this. You know, the world needs another C average business major like it needs a hole in the head. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm not necessarily impressed by some resume that comes down the plank. Some kid that has a C and in um, business at some some school, but he's got an A in dr- beer drinking. I don't want to see that. Uh, but compare that you know, compare that student to someone that might have a degree in I don't know political science or you, you name something that gets thrown about as not being having a significant value. But they might have a three five. They graduate with honors. They made deans with a number of different semesters. They're president of the honor society. Maybe president of their sorority or fraternity or something along those lines. That's a resume that's attractive. Yeah. So what I want to see is what the, what the student, what the young person did in school with their time and whether or not they, you know whether or not they had the gumption or whether or not they just wasted every, everyone's time and, and, and money. Yeah, I guess that's some of the value in those trade schools is the people that are going to those are really valuing a certain yeah. specific skill. And, and, and that's been my experience. So kids that are coming out of trade school, they went there because they wanted to have Right. You don't see many trade. people going to a trade school because that's just what they were going to do. No, without a doubt. You kind of so, know that's what you want to do before you decide to jump in on a trade school. <laughs> it sounds like if we're supposed to be trading perspectives, it sounds like we've got a lot of similar perspectives. Let's go back to the original question. Question is, you know, why do things seem to be getting darker uh, in the country when it's frankly things are getting better? Well, what about violence, violence? terrorism, murders? 
<laughs> what, what about all those things? Those are horrible. You, <laughs> but, but we've we've always had them. Right. That's, we've always that's what I was getting them. at. Is and if, if you take a look at FBI statistics, violent crime in the United States now, even though it's ticked, back, ticked up in the last several years, violent crime is still lower now per capita than it was back in the 50s when everything yeah, was supposed to be back, wonderful. It's right now back right below what it was in the 60s. So we're, we're looking at violence isn't fun. Murder's not fun, obviously. That, that goes without saying. But when you take a look at just the cold, hard data, take a look at history, take a look at just mankind in general, I still come back to the conclusion that we live in a wonderful time in human history. Yeah, I mean, the odds of any of these terrible violent events happening to us are lower than they have been before. I mean, I don't think any of us would want to live in the in France during the French Revolution right now. No, I can't speak French. 16,000, uh, was it? Some 16,000 murders? Uh, well, I, I can't speak French, so I certainly I, I would have been on the chopping block. Can't speak French either. Proverbially and uh, you know, figuratively and literally. Well, Sam, we've been going on and on, but it sounds like we are both of agreement that the world is actually a pretty good place. And those people that think that the things are getting worse in the United States probably need to crack a history book. Your thoughts? Right there with you. Well, that, well, that's kind of funny because history is one of those degrees that you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, all right, guys, thank you all so much for listening here today. We love to hear from everyone. So if you have any questions or any uh, topics that you would like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Send us an email to tradingperspectives at oakworthcapital.com, or you can leave us a review on the podcast outlet of your choice. If you're interested in hearing more of what we have to say, you can check us out on our blog, Common Sense at oakworthcapital.com. So, guys, thank you all so much for listening today. Sam, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks and for having me. Everyone have a great day. Have a good one.